0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today are Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning, Simon. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago. Hi, Johnny. Hello, gentlemen. This podcast has emerged from the Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook group that Carl started with Dedic Steed about three and a half years ago perhaps Carl, you could tell us more about yourself and how the group began and give
1: our listeners a feel for what the group is about. Sure. I'd be happy to do that. Yeah. So we, like you say, we started just about three and a half years ago and I think Derek and I were both, um, posting pictures online and probably on the Olympics, uh, worldwide shooters page. And, um, we were a couple of the people that were posting photos and using classic lenses. And, um, Derek and I started messaging each other and, and, and thought that, you know, it would be interesting to have a Facebook page that was just focused on classic lenses. And we had a number of different ideas in mind. One would be that um, we could introduce people to, to different kinds of lenses and their characteristics, uh, uh, that Derek, with his skills, um, could provide guidance on uh, how to repair um, lenses that had issues with them or answer questions about optics and things like that. And, um, and we could see some, some cool photos. We, we honestly thought that there might be 50 or a hundred people that would be interested in that. Uh, at the time we didn't see a lot of people posting images, um, on that site with classic lenses. And, um, it's just been, it's been amazing because there's over 7,500 members in the group, and there's a lot of people who are very active in the group right now, um, especially over the last couple of months, and so it's been really successful, and I, I think people are, are getting a lot of benefit out of it, and, and, the, and the number of folks using classic lenses is just growing like crazy. It's not good for prices of lenses because they're higher than they were when we started, but other <laughs> than that, it's been really great. And I can tell you a little bit about myself um, also um, as it relates to the group, so um so yeah, I, I work here in Florida, and uh, I have a job where I, I'm an administrator of a program um, that's about the ocean and and coastal science. And I travel a lot, and um, uh, I've been interested in photography for quite a long time. And and was it was taking I, I get to go to cool places, you know, that are on the ocean and big cities and things. And had a little point and shoot camera and was taking shots and, and, and thought, you know, I, wanted, I want to do a little better than this. And I got an Olympus EM5 with a kit lens. And I, I think there was some guy online um, on the Olympus page who was shooting with a Pentacon 200 lens. And um, I thought those photos looked really interesting. And so that was my first classic lens. I bought that and uh, started shooting it. And I think I got the 58mm Rokar was the uh, the, the next one I had. And um, really, really found you know, a lot of pleasure in shooting classic lenses. And then um, after being pestered for a number of years by Simon about getting an EM-1, I bought an EM-1 about the same time that he got rid of that and went and bought a Sony camera. <laughs> and um, my lens collection grew to about 80 <laughs> classic lenses at one point. And then I decided that, well, I could have fewer but better lenses. And so it dropped down to about... Thirty or forty better lenses, and now it's back up to about fifty-five again. And I'm still having a lot of fun with it. It's it's great. I I like to you know stick a different lens on the camera every day and just take a walk at lunch and and go and take some shots and probably shoot almost every day. Johnny, why don't you talk about yourself yeah, sure, a little?
2: Bit. Sure, sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I mean I'm a lifelong photographer. I guess is the easiest way to say it. I've been you know, shooting since I was about 15, 14, 50 years old, um, still have the same equipment I had uh, since then. Um, you know, the I guess my whole career has been kind of a professional career has been related to photography, design, printing, um, that field. So it's always been part of what I do. Uh, now, currently, I'm actually working at a camera, camera store in Chicago called Central Camera Company, which is um, it's actually one of the oldest uh, continually operated camera stores in the country at this point. Um, so I'm you know I'm, I'm around photographic equipment basically all day long every day, uh, come home and mess around with my own stuff. so it's um, it's just been an ongoing you know lifelong passion. Uh, I used to the, the way that I got involved with the classic lenses group is um, <clears throat> I you know like many folks who were involved in photography, um, the, the time came in the, in the nineties when this digital stuff popped up and it was very interesting. And then by the time the two thousands rolled around mid two thousands, now we had, you know, DSLRs were starting to come out and it was like a real camera, not a little point and shoot. Right. So of course, like everybody else, I, I jumped in at one point and uh, got a DSLR and got another DSLR and ended up with about four of them and was upgrading every 18 months or so because things were improving so quickly. I was using them commercially, Um, So I had all these Canon DSLRs and after about, you know, four or five years using them professionally, I realized I was not shooting at all for myself anymore because honestly, I really didn't enjoy using them very much Um, and never really had. They're great tools, but for the way I shoot, um, they never felt anything at all like the way my, you know, classic uh, film camera gear felt. Um, so I started kind of messing around thinking, well, why can't I put my manual lenses on this digital camera um, and messed about with that a little bit, realized it was very unsatisfying because the, the you know, the, the screens on the, on the Canons are just not set up to do manual focus. They, they are just assuming you're using Canon EOS autofocus lenses. So I got that idea, got quashed pretty quickly uh right. That was right about the time mirrorless stuff was coming out. Um I uh looked around at different options for mirrorless, which were really pretty good. Uh ended up with um the Fuji for a few different reasons and um it all kind of fell into place from there uh because it was so easy to attach basically everything I already had or all the lenses I was hoping to use onto that system. Um so that's that's kind of what really threw me into motion, which was right about I guess that was 2013 into 2014, which was right about the time yeah. this group started—the photography with classic lenses group. So um, I started looking around, and there it was. And it was a relatively, you know, young group at the time. I remember it was pro- probably just a few hundred members when I when I found it. Uh, but it was really exciting because it was an outlet for um, the kind of reignited passion that I had for. Uh, doing photography, thanks to being able to use my my manual focus uh, gear again um, so that 's kind of where uh, what what brought me to the group and then um, at some point, one day I was really surprised to get an invite to be in a min which was which was great and then I guess it 's uh all what brought us up to the present moment. Uh, yeah so i've found found the group found uh all all this this great admin group that we had, <clears throat> including Simon who I had not met before uh, and uh it's 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 been a really interesting introduction to a, a bunch of people using all kinds of different approaches to do um the same sort of thing so uh simon a little bit about about you for us
0: yeah well i i started uh my photography. In 1985, maybe in 1986, um, shortly after leaving school, and uh, my father bought me a Yashika FX3 Super um, at the local camera store, which is a place called Tung's uh, T U N G S. Um in handley and stoke-on-trent which in many respects it's the central camera of stoke Uh, (laughs) except much smaller but i think those people that that knew the shop would probably relate to that comment you know you you would walk in there and it was like an aladdin's cave there were um hundreds of, of, of cameras and lenses and accessories which you had no idea what they were all behind glass mm-hmm. cabinets and and you would you would know, walk past the, the the window the shop window and just just marvel at the, the the new equipment that was there and also some of the strange and weird older things so i had my first yashica which i then moved rapidly on to getting a contacts 159 mm uh, which of course used the the same mount, and that camera it's it had a uh, um, a 50 mil 1.4 planar lens, which I still have today, and it's still my favourite lens. Uh, quite possibly because you know, I've had it that long. But I think even if I hadn't had it that long, I think I'd still it still possibly would be my favourite lens. Um, but I carried on uh, taking photographs um, using both cameras. With you know, the Yashica, I used to shoot black and white, and, and I used to shoot slide film with the with the contacts. And I did that for another four years or so, and then work got in the way, and I wasn't taking any any photographs anymore. And I never really got into digital. it it sort of passed me by the the early days I had a passing interest in it but I could see that the quality was nowhere near as good as film and then I sort of switched off and it wasn't really until 2014 I think it was when a friend of mine, Mike Walker introduced me to his uh, Panasonic G3 camera uh, that I realised what cameras were like you had modern, modern mirrorless cameras and it was shortly after that introduction I went out and bought an E-M1 and and again not long after that I realized that I could also fit my old Zeiss lens on it and initially that was um, a disappointment uh, because I was I was expecting some beautiful sharp shots and very similar to the kind of beautiful sharp shots I was getting out of the 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 lens that came with the camera which is a good a good lens it was a 12 to 40 pro which was uh, an excellent lens for the for that camera and it was just seemed much much sharper than the than the Zeiss, uh, and then I realised that yes, it was sharper, but was it as interesting with as, as the pictures I was actually getting out of the out of the Zeiss, um, especially when wide open, and and it was it was around about that time I started posting pictures in in the photography with classic lenses group, and actually no, I was posting them on the EM one the Olympus Olympus. Uh, Worldwide Shooters, that was it. That's where I met Carl. And Carl had, shortly after that, created the uh, Classic Lenses group and uh, asked me to come along. And my, uh, my world, my photographic world was, was opened again, um, largely because it gave me the opportunity to you know, buy lenses that I used to see when I was like 18 years old. And there was just no way i could afford you know half half the things that, that were there and all of a sudden they were just they were almost like lining the lying in the streets and you just waiting to be picked up you know so yeah the the the, the classic lenses group really it's it expanded my horizons and, um, and certainly a big focus in my earlier photography with, with with classic lenses um say earlier you know i'm just talking about the photography from a few years ago uh was was bokeh photography and it was you know there was a bit of an obsession that i had really about what the bokeh of this lens was going to be like and 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 the next lens and uh, and similarly to carl the uh, the collection grew and my collection went in a slightly different way or rather that my overall direction and interest went in a different way because it was around about that time I was made redundant and I decided to to actually make buying and selling lenses a full-time activity and that's that's what I do today and and really I think the Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook group has pretty much put me where we are today. Okay, now this is our first podcast. We intend to do this every week um, as long as everyone is available. And it will be available on iTunes eventually, but before then, uh, you'll be able to uh, download or just listen uh, via our website, um, and we'll put the details up later. Our first uh, discussion uh, for today is going to be new acquisitions, which I get the feeling is something that is going to be a, a regular first topic because... The the three of us on here are serial buyers of of lenses for for different reasons. And uh, Carl, I know that uh, you've picked up a a Canon 50mm uh, 1.4, which you've got plenty to talk about, Bolson separation.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Let me give you a little bit of context for for how how I ended up with this lens. You know, I, I used to be an Olympus shooter, and then abruptly this year, um, bought a Canon, uh, Canon. Bought a Fuji XE2, and um, really like it a lot. And 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 literally stopped using the Olympus um, the, the week I got it, and I haven't gone back. And I don't remember the last time I shot it. Um, I like the form factor of the camera, like the sensor, like the way it renders images. Um, and uh, Ray and um, and Johnny were both uh, using Fuji cameras, and, um, and one of the things they had been talking about, and I realized right away, is you know. Uh, I like the camera because it's small. and It's a really good camera for street photography, and um, small rangefinder lenses are really nice on this camera because they're low profile too. Um, especially the LTM 39 mount lenses, they fit really close to the body, and and some of the um, lenses that I had, which were lenses designed for SLRs, look like big giant things on this little camera. So um, you know, I, so I had some um, pen lenses that I really liked, and I have some Jupiter lenses that I really like, and uh, Johnny. Johnny had good experience with um, some Canon LTM lenses, and I, I had bought a um, 51.8 uh, towards the second half of last year, and it, it's a fantastic lens, probably from the 60s. And um, I always had wanted to get the 51.4, and um, sort of around the same time. I've been getting more into film photography than I had, um, largely because there's a small local um, camera club that I started with a friend of mine where eight of us meet once a month and we do walk arounds and take photos. And, and most of us are shooting film. And, um, I, I have some, some, you know, I have a Nikon FA, and it's a good camera. It takes great photos, but it's a little bit boring to use. And uh, I saw this Canon 7 rangefinder online on uh, eBay, and and Johnny has a 7s, which is a similar camera, and um, he he highly recommended the camera for durability, and and I've shot somewhat with it since then. It's a fantastic camera, and um, and and the lens, the lens is beautiful. So so I got the lens, and. Um, did my usual inspection with a, a bright flashlight, and you know, sure enough, there's no scratches on it, and it's crystal clear. The glass is so clear, it looks like there's just nothing between the front element and the back of the lens. And uh, proceeded to take photos, and they came out great, and uh, bokeh shots, and and photos um, stopped down that give a beautiful 3D pop, um, and then. One day it was before Christmas. I thought, you know, I'm going to take a a shot that I usually do every year, where I set something on a a table near our Christmas tree, and photograph with the lights of the tree making uh, big bokeh balls, very bright behind the camera. And when I look through the viewfinder, I thought, this looks bizarre. the... Boca balls look really strange and and so oh, that's okay well i took the pictures and opened them up in the Lightroom, and every one of the balls had this very sharp black line wiggly line uh, like a worm almost all the way around the inside of the ball and it was exactly the same in every one and so i started asking people on facebook what could it be and someone said oh it's the filaments and the lights on the tree and uh, it's not possible it couldn't be that and uh, oh it's fungus on the lens and and then uh, I started to think about balsam separation because I've had that happen before. And and in many of these lenses, some of the elements inside of the lens are are cemented together with, uh, with uh, a substance called balsam. And um, over time, the old lenses, that can dry out and, they, and it can start to separate. And I, I had a um, uh, an Olympus lens that did that one time and it was real clear that it had happened. And I thought, you know, I wonder if it, It's the case on here. So I took the lens and I shone a light into it and looked. Still couldn't see the damn thing. And um but I knew there had to be that. So I, I I took a 10X magnifying lens. And, and held the lens up to the window with the light shining through. And with the magnifying lens, sure enough, I could see exactly that shape that I was seeing in the bokeh balls. Um, and, and I think it's the rear element or one close to the rear element. And um, both of the parts that have separated look really clear. But I, I I've contacted the seller, and he hadn't seen it. And um, I don't think it's something that the seller of a lens that you could see. I'm, I'm not going to send the lens back. I, I really love it. You know, I, I like to shoot this lens mainly at about f F2, two, f two point eight. It gives a beautiful pop. Um, it's very sharp, um, unless you shoot really bright objects like car headlights. You're not going to see that thing. Um, but that was uh, my uh, excitement at the beginning of the year. I'm not disappointed that I have the lens, and and the camera is great. Um, I bought the. Lens to about uh, the camera to get the lens, but now I I've, I've fallen in love with the camera uh, because it's just fun to shoot and the images are really good, and uh, they're sitting right here in front of me now. I've got the 1.4 on my Fuji and I've got the 1.8 on this Canon, and they can interchange really nice nicely because I've got an adapter on the on the Fuji, so it's just a great kit to carry around and do a little film and a little bit of digital. So that's that's my story. Yeah, it's
0: it's it's interesting what you say about. Um, about balls and separation, and that you you, you you didn't know it was there, and, um, and also you, you're, you're, you're giving the seller a break. Uh, that perhaps uh, he or she didn't know it was there either, because uh, and I can I can vouch for that too, because you know I relatively recently bought some, a a Ice Zeiss Jena, um Sonar uh, 51.5, and it was probably running around about 1939. And uh, when I bought it, it was just, it was absolutely clear there was no dust. You know, it was you no know, cleaning marks. It was it was a it was a great lens, and I got it home and I, and the light was different. And all of a sudden, I could see these, you know, not not even subtle um, differences in 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 shades and shapes that were actually in there. It was it was. It was really, really dramatic, and initially I, I couldn't see that at all. I think, John, you've you've experienced that as well.
2: Yeah, um, actually, interestingly, we had uh, at the shop uh, we had a um, let's see here. It was a Leica uh, R lens, a one hundred and thirty-five. Uh, beautiful lens. I mean, it, the build quality on those Leica R lenses is just amazing. They're very solid. Um, but it had, it, it, and this was extremely hard to see, um, it had a, a bit of separation on one side, which showed itself as a very faint kind of rainbow. If you held it uh, at just the right angle in a certain type of light and a certain amount of light, you could see it. Otherwise, it was basically, you know, entirely invisible. Um, from what I could tell, having tested it quite a bit, because, I mean, we're obviously trying to sell it. We, we have to disclose it, right? Um, I could not find a situation where that, um, where that separation had any effect on the images. Now I didn't try any sort of bouquet photography, but there was no, there was no sort of sharp edge to, uh, the separation. It was purely that, that kind of that rainbow. So I, I tried it, trying, trying to make it flare, trying to do whatever I could. And I got, I got nothing. I mean, it, it, it just, it did nothing except show itself. If you looked at the glass at the right angle. So we put it out. Um, eventually it sold a person who bought it seemed to be very happy with it Um, and that that seems to be how how it goes with the separation sometimes it's problematic sometimes it's not sometimes you see it easily sometimes you don't I remember we had uh, also at the shop we had a um, uh, several uh, a whole kit full of older contacts gear come in and beautiful stuff um, beautiful kit but basically every lens for whatever reason was separated. I don't know if it was the, uh, where it was stored, humidity level, something, but these beautiful, you know, sonar lenses, 50, 51.5 just completely separated all the way around had the same sort of rainbow effect, but, um, much more opaque, which, which is another way that it tends to show up. So it's, yeah, separation is a tough one. Um, I suppose for if you're a lens buyer, you know, it's always buyer beware, um, and and I guess the best you can do is just as part of your inspection, you know, look at that lens from the front and back, different different light sources, different light angles. Um, look for the rainbow. Look for maybe a an edge around the lens and an undefined edge. Uh, but it's it's a really tough one. Um, but I guess to me the the takeaway with the the separation issue is that it's not always the end of the world, and you might find a really great lens that does have separation. Um, and depending on how serious it is, it may still be worth acquiring um, if it's a lens you, you know, you really want to shoot. So, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tricky one.
1: You know, um, it's interesting because on on this lens, it's very evident with those odd shots. And I don't like shooting photos where there's car headlights in the bokeh. I'm, not, I'm not interested in that. And it's only really around Christmas time that I do those other kind of photos. And I have different lenses I can use. Um, normal bokeh from the sun. I can't see it. Um, There's this guy named Simon who's on our group who uh, (laughs) will zoom in on uh, part of the photo and send me a picture of it showing me that you can still see it. But um, I can't see it without doing that, so I'm okay about it. Well, I'm, I'm I'm here to help you, Carl. <laughs>
0: it's it, it's interesting. There's, there are also some weird and wonderful methods of uh, apparently being able to cure uh, bulls and separation. One one method that uh, right. I'm aware of, um, whether it works or not, I don't know. And I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting anybody should do this. But you know, if you've got a cheap lens and it's uh, it's separating this way, it might be worth a go. Um, and that's to boil it. Or at least put it in boiling water for uh, for a period of time, uh, with the theory behind it is that it, it's, it melts uh, the, the the balsam the glue that's the, or cement whatever it is that 's um, solidified or crystallized or what everything mm-hmm. that's happened to it and uh, so it takes it back to a liquid state perhaps it, it, it cures and it, and it cures in the uh, in a way that you can 't see it anymore, whether that works or not i don 't know I certainly didn't have the nerve to do it with that uh, 50 50 1.5 sonar um but uh, i think you know of somebody else that does it uh, johnny
2: yeah yeah i, I probably should have uh, pulled this up um for reference here in the conversation but i there's a oh i want to say um it's a pen olympus pen f uh it's either a 61.5 or a 42 1.2 uh, both of which um are known for the the front optical group getting a sort of a milky haze to it which is not actually haze at all it is a breakdown of the uh the balsam glue uh so it's a separation issue and this person had found this nice copy of the lens and thought to himself well what if i just you know heat the if it's if it's glue what if i reheat it so did a before and after where they put the the lens in an oven at, you know, I I don't remember what temperature, say 200 degrees Fahrenheit, something fairly low where you're not going to actually um, melt uh, components, but it's going to just heat the whole thing up. So they did that. Um, it did before and after the the milkiness, cloudiness of the separation was gone and the lens did in fact perform optically much better. So, I mean, I have heard of that as well. Um, I, you know, again, I would be, I'm not necessarily recommending that um, because you don't know what all's in the lens. I mean you know a lot of these classic lenses are all metal inside. I could see if there are um, some lenses do have plastic components inside and that could definitely be a problem in the oven um, but it it can work and it you know it's logical to me why it would it would work um, but uh, yeah, I guess it would be proceed with caution, but there are examples of that floating around out there online.
0: Well, Johnny, have you got any new lenses this week?
2: So I do, and by uh, amazing coincidence, I have also picked up a uh, uh, the same lens Carl has been uh, uh, talking about, which is the the Canon 51.4 LTM. Um, I already had this lens, um, and I already had the camera it was attached to, which is a Canon 7S. Um, and as I recall late one evening... Sometime before Christmas, Carl uh, posted a link to a beautiful Canon 7S. Um, <clears throat> and I rather impulsively bought it because it was here in Chicago. Uh, I did not need it at all. I still do not need it. I have it sitting here on my desk in front of me next to my other Canon 7S with a 51.4 attached to it. Uh, but it is a it is a beautiful example of this camera and a beautiful example of the lens. Um, I, I can't commiserate and say that I have balsam separation, Carl. It, unfortunately, it's 100 percent perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it uh it, it is a beautiful lens. I, I personally actually having shot this lens quite a bit on my current Canon 7, feel that the the well first of all the Canon 7S is it's a beautiful camera. It is definitely a chunky uh hefty <laughs> camera. It's I would say it's one of the most well built cameras I have in my collection uh, and have ever handled it 's incredibly solid it 's incredibly easy to use it 's basically functions uh, functionally it is is very much like a SLR in that it has you know traditional uh, latched film back. You just open and upload the film bing bang very easy um, but the the lens itself I find on the rangefinder camera, which is already large, is it makes for a rather substantial package. Uh, that and the fact that I f- find personally, um, I, I find that I enjoy 35 millimeter focal length lenses more on rangefinder cameras. Um, anyhow, I have, <laughs> I have this beautiful camera that I, I really kind of bought with the intention of reselling uh, which I'm sure I will do at one point, but I'm really enjoying looking at it right now because it's it's just a beautiful example. Um, the other one that I have uh, uh, in front of me, which is another recent acquisition that was also somewhat uh, bought on a whim, um, is a uh, a Canon Four uh, SB, which is essentially a um, a a Leica uh, a Leica screw mount clone camera. Um, although I will say I think the Canon's having having spent a lot of time. Handling, you know, the Leica screw mount cameras and the Canon screw mount. I think the Canon is actually a step up from the Leica in terms of construction. Uh, it's a heavier, much heavier if you feel, if you kind of um, compare two of them together. Uh, so I picked that up really with the intention of um, using it as a platform for uh, wider angle lenses. I do have on it right now a Jupiter 12, an older Jupiter 12 lens um, and an older, uh uh nippon uh rangefinder viewfinder i'm sorry um multi very focal viewfinder so uh last two acquisitions of the year were both canons uh both kind of unexpected um very pleased with both of them i think i had said and you guys can maybe quote me on this somewhere um in the group conversation over the past year i do not like rangefinder cameras and i've spent really the, the last half of 2017 shooting primarily rangefinder cameras. So um, I, I'm really enjoying both of these. Uh, the, the thing that I'm, I'm looking for now, kind of next on my list, really for the Canon uh, 4SB is a, uh, a Canon 35, probably F2 screw mount lens, uh, which would date from the, I guess, from the 50s, 60s um to to ma- match up with with the canon the the Jupiter's nice. um I, it's just mine's a little bit rough and focusing, and i'd I'd kind of like to have um, a canon lens on this camera at some point. So, so that's what I've got going on, uh, you know at at the at the moment in terms of recent acquisitions.
1: so you yeah. let me ask you one thing. you sure. why are you interested in the f two? As opposed to the two point eight, because I've been looking at these. Two. Yeah, um,
2: so I, that's a great lens also, and I've, I've honestly I've thought about that lens as well, Carl. Um, the other lens I've, I've thought quite a bit about is the Voigtlander uh, thirty five two point five, and, and in some ways I think the two point five is maybe the optimum lens in terms of size, etc. And really, it, it, what that that lets you do is just shoot wide open at f 28 with you know, without having the lens itself wide open, you're, you're kind of, um, stopped down just slightly, right. Which often solves some problems with older lenses and that's a modern lens. So it has a very modern look. So, um, uh, to me, I two, two eight is, is great. It's just, I feel like two is just ideal because it gives just a little bit more speed in, in yeah. lower light. And I'll probably be shooting at two eight quite a bit. And I'd rather not shoot a two eight wide open at two eight all the time. So I'm thinking, all right, I'll get enough two right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that said, I mean, I think the two eights a a, a great a great lens. It's just it's interesting. I've, I've been looking around, and it seems that the looking at Canon thirty five millimeter screw mount lenses, the one point eight, the two, and the and the 2.8 all seem to fall oddly within the same relative price category. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's by, I don't understand that at all, but that seems to be what I'm seeing. So, I mean, it may be that it, the right one comes along and I'll just buy the right one at the right time. Um, but it's, but that's my thought on a 2.8. I just, I, I feel like it's a F2 is a, a really great uh, aperture on a range finder. And honestly, one to me, anything faster than F2 on a rangefinder is kind of, a waste because I, I I have I'm sure some people who are just better at it than me can nail focus at one point four in a rangefinder I find it very I find it really pushing the abilities of just the camera to um, to 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 focus the depth of field that thin on a rangefinder you just you know you're you're using that dual image which is great and it's very accurate but um, it's not like a an SLR and where you you really definitively see that that focus point is right on. So, yeah. you know, to me, F2 just seems like a perfect rangefinder finder S-stop. Um,
0: uh, yep. It, it makes me wonder, actually, when you're saying like the the, the, the different uh, lenses with different apertures are roughly the same kind of price. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the, if the, I mean, I know nothing about the three lenses you're talking about there, but I, I just wonder actually if the 2.8 is, optically the the best lens for rangefinders but it's mm-hmm. the the mirrorless brigade uh like ourselves as yeah well, um we immediately uh all want to go for the f2 because you know we've right there's this mentality of of the faster is better or an obsession sure. with a shallower depth of field and even if we don't use it we like to know that it's there uh, right uh, but i wonder you know if, if the 2.8 is actually simply the better lens and therefore well, the, the rangefinder buyers are keeping that lens higher in price because they know that that's the best lens for them.
2: Well, that, and the, here's the other one we're now talking about is a 3.5 and that's probably there. I, I would, I would say there are pro- probably more F 3.5 rangefinder, especially screw mount lenses out there than anything else. Because that was really, I mean, first of all, y- you look at back at the Leicas, um, you know, going back to the the nineteen thirties and and such, I mean, an f two lens was a really fast lens and and very complex to make. So most people were shooting three fives. So I, I'd say that three three five might even be considered the the optimum in some ways. Rangefinder lens because it's um, goes back to the whole ethos of the the Leica in particular being a very small camera keeps everything small optically. It's not as difficult to make it just solves a lot of problems. You can hold a rangefinder um, camera. I think you can handhold it lower than you can hold an SLR. You have fewer moving parts. So, I mean, really, even 3.5s are probably worth consideration. I mean, I don't know. To me, though, I find, I think you're right, Simon, in, in, in all practical use, that, that 2.8 is just a really great uh,
0: rangefinder aperture overall, especially for wider angle lenses. <laughs> it, it's, it's also interesting that, I mean, what you just said there about the 3.5s and, and the and the slower lenses, again, there's um, this hesitancy uh, for people to buy the, the, the slower aperture lenses when a uh, mm. faster aperture lens is available at a similar price. Um, a case in point is the uh, Pentax, the early Pentax K-mount um, SMC 28 uh, 3.5, mm. um, which is a much larger lens than the 2.8 um, and it also attracts a far higher price to sell as well, um, it's, a, it's a far more sought after lens and I remember when I've, I've, I came across one of these I was, I was buying uh, a system off a customer and, and I looked at this lens, I'd never seen one before, I didn't know any, anything about the history of it and I, I looked at it and, and the guy's face when uh, I looked at it he, he could he could see that i was there thinking oh it's just a 3.5 lens he could read he could just read my uh, body <laughs> language and he, he sort of stopped me in mid-flow before i even said anything he goes that's the better lens you know i didn't you know yeah. he then started to tell me about you know he, he, he had this inherent distrust of fast lenses yeah, you know, they're just pushing the optical formula too far you never use it and 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 so on and so on and i did that i i gave this lens a go and it was fantastic it really really was good i mean i didn't keep it for very long because it was a you know a sought after lens and 28 millimeters is not a favorite focal length of mine um but it was certainly a great lens and certainly it's better than the 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 2.8 equivalents yeah
2: you know it's, it's interesting even um in the older pentax the um the M42 mount Pentaxes, is the uh, 28 millimeter 35 is also excellent in M42, and I think was considered to be the one of the the very finest uh, Takumar lenses made for uh, M42 mount was the um, 28 35. The I I mean I can kind of speak to that I have one. The colors are just unbelievable. It's it's a gorgeous lens. So uh, Simon, what's what's new uh, new in your stable?
0: Well, I've not I've not actually bought a, a lens. Uh, for personal pleasure, if you like, for, for a while, um, but I, you know, I keep on picking lenses up because it's you know, it's it's my day job. So, uh, and one lens I I acquired at a camera fair recently uh, was attached to an, an Argus camera. That's A-R-G-U-S um, and it's uh, pretty much. Uh, viewed as being a, a budget camera of the day so it's, it doesn't have a, it doesn't even have a meter it's an slr camera um and it was later i think it was made by i don't actually i say think i, I know it was made by um, and uh it was later branded as a sears camera i'm not sure if that was just for the american market or not but mm-hmm it's got and this is the reason why i bought it uh, it's got a an argus c c core lens it's a 58 millimeter f 1.7 and you know 58 millimeters is always something that in- intrigues me anyway because there aren't that many 58 uh, millimeter lenses and it, it tends to be the you know the old the old fashioned uh, standard focal length and uh, and also with this being a, a 1.7 so that made it relatively fast for a, for a 58mm lens. Um, and the fact it also said C-Core on it, you know, so it was, I like the the original early um, Mamaya lenses for 35mm, because the, the a lot of the later ones were just Mamaya branded rather than made by Mamaya. And, um, and I finally got round to, well, uh, giving it a go there, adapting it, and I found out last night uh, that it, it actually fits. Uh, the the same mount as uh, well very very close enough I should say the Konica AR mount ah interesting yeah so as you as as many people know I I actually sell K and F adapters and uh, so I've got a, a fair range of adapters so that was how I managed to find out it was uh, if it would fit the AR and I put it onto onto my Sony and because uh, I wasn't sure what the um, if it would reach infinity or not, especially with the AR mount, it's a a very short um, flange distance uh, for for AR, one of of the shortest. not sure if it's the shortest of the SLRs, but it's certainly uh, amongst them. And uh, so I put it on there, and so I knew I was going to get infinity, but uh, it turns out it's not a million miles off for the minimum focus either. I think Mm. the... I'm just looking at the lens now. It's uh, saying that it's got a, a... 0.5 of a meter uh, minimum minimum focus and i think that's probably more like about 0.7 when it's fitted to uh, ar so that's that's pretty pretty good and it's still usable Um, but it's just a you know a sweet lens Um, it's really really heavy considering that the camera is technically a budget camera um, Mm -hmm. the 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 lens itself it's it just feels you know it's 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 like one of the reasons why we like these classic lenses you know they, they just don't feel like a like a a modern even a well-constructed modern lens has just can't really compete with the feel of a of an old solidly engineered with en- engineered lens and uh, and this is just a, a really nice thing and it's even got eight I think it's got eight yeah it's got eight aperture blades on it and I tried it out earlier today and it's it, it produces very very pleasing results so uh, I'm quite quite pleased with this one uh,
2: that- Simon, I mean, it's really interesting. I came across, um, I don't even know if we've had this conversation at all yet, but I came across that same exact camera about, uh, three weeks, a month ago at the shop that a customer brought in and wanted to know, Hey, is this camera still working? And I look, I'm looking at this thing and I, you know, I, I, I've seen Argus, a lot of Argus SLRs before. I and mean, it was an American, uh, camera brand, uh, most famous for the Argus brick, um, but they did also make SLRs. I I should say they br- they branded SLRs. They didn't make them. They would rebrand other SLRs that other people made. Made. You know. Um. I have one in front of me that I'm sort of looking at here right now that was made by uh, Chinon, I believe. Um, which is a, a fairly nice camera. It's not a beauty to look at, but the lens is nice on it. But anyway, the one that that you're talking about, Simon, a customer brought it in. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, what, what mount is this? (laughs) And I, and I, you know, I mean, it said SACOR. So I'm thinking, okay, it's a Mamiya camera that, uh, that was rebranded as an Argus. That made sense to me, but I could not figure the mount out. And I knew that, um, there were a lot of really odd mounts made right about that time period. This was the early 60s. Everybody was trying to build a proprietary mount that worked. So I, I messed around with it. I couldn't really find anything that I would mount on. So it's great to know that um, that it will actually mount on something. Uh, this particular camera I encountered was just a mess. I mean, it, it had... It had multiple problems, both the lens and the camera, so neither one was ever going to probably function again without a lot of a lot of work put into it. Uh, but I had never seen one before of that particular mount, so uh, very interesting that we we both kind of encountered
0: this same setup here within the past month or so. Yeah, I, I must admit when I when I saw this lens, the uh, the camera phase, the, uh, the Wolverhampton camera fair um, in particular. Um, I had had no idea what it was I was immediately drawn to it (laughs) I'm thinking is this going to be give me something I've never seen before yeah uh, I think that drives all of us actually I think we, we, we like something different don't we yeah absolutely okay that's all for this week Johnny how can people keep up with you
2: Uh, easiest way is uh, probably Instagram I post there pretty much every day Uh, so it's I'm at Sisson photography on Instagram it's S-I-S-S-O-N photography those are all S's as in Sam Uh, and that probably will lead to all the other things that I'm doing online as well
1: and Cole well I'm not as active on social media as Johnny is so I don't I don't participate in instagram but i keep my flickr um, page updated weekly and um, post what i think are my best photos there if you want to look at the photos and then of course you can always get in touch with me through facebook on our classic uh, lenses page
0: and i can be found in a few places i'm trying to get my head around instagram at the moment so i'm on there is simon p forster uh, forster by the way is spelled f-o-r-s-t-e-r I'm on Twitter as Simon Four, that's Simon Four as in F-O-R, uh, all one word. I'm also on Flickr um, as Simon Forster, strangely enough. Um, possibly you might find me down there as It's Fuzzy, but mainly you can find me on the Facebook group, uh, Photography with Classic Lenses. Um, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I hope you can join us next week. Thank you and goodbye.